Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the unofficial theme park design show. These are completely hypothetical, just fan-made creations, and uh, anyone can do this. My guests are from all walks of life, so I definitely encourage all listeners to join the community on Reddit or Facebook and make your ideas heard, and who knows, maybe you'll be a guest on this very podcast. Um, Today we're going to be talking about Dungeons & Dragons. My guest on this episode is... Hey, uh, my name's Peter. And Peter, what do you do for a living? Like, I freelance graphic design, but, like, right now I'm working at Geek Squad in Best Buy. I'm the head I'm the head repair agent there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, could you tell us about your podcast, too? So, like, I do a tabletop gaming podcast uh, and video game podcast called Peter vs. Peter, where we just we talk about anything from board games, video games, uh, role-playing games, just anything, like, nerdy that you could play, pretty much. Okay, so let's talk about the basics of D&D. So this is a game from the late 70s that's basically evolved from, like, strategy board games, like, war gaming, kind of, in a you know like adapted it to include more story and more interactivity and um kind of like a fantasy type setting um but for D to function you have someone who's the dungeon master or the game master the dm um and this person comes up with basically the story i mean they can get the story from from books or from resources online but they're in charge of the narration and the setting and that kind of thing and setting up the story and then they give the players options to uh, decide how they want to begin their their adventure. What do they want to do? So the people who are playing inhabit the role of a character, and they have certain items and skills and equipment and certain you know values and uh, objectives. And then the DM tells them the story, like here's your your character is in this posi- position, this place. What are they going to do? And then you kind of inhabit that role of your character. You're like, what would the character do in this position? So it's kind of like improv in a way. But you need to try to develop your character and make your character stronger, you know, get better items, um, and just further your character along in this plot that's created by someone else. So it's a really interesting uh, interactive story that's been around for, you know, years and years now. It's a really cool system. Yeah, I, I like the, because because I do, I am artist, I like the creative aspect to it. So it's just like making these worlds and, and writing these campaign settings for people to live in. Um of course, there's the the, the traditional D and D campaigns um, that that already exist. You could go uh, Eberron or Greyhawk or um, <clears throat> or like Dark Sun, and those are fully fleshed out worlds that Wizards of the Coast gives out to people. Mm-hmm. But I I like making my own world. Like, yeah, I like me too. I, like uh, the way, when I was first exposed, this is kind of an embarrassing story, but I was in I think fourth grade and. Um, one of my friend's older brothers was like going to have a D&D birthday party. And so I got invited and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I never heard of it before. I, I knew about like role-playing games, like role-playing video games. And so my friend described this to me like on the bus ride from school or whatever. Like this party is going to have, these people are going to come and it's going to be like we're in this world and we, you know, we make a character and then we have to fight things and like build up our stats and all this stuff. 
And so in my imagination, there's going to be like a treadmill, like I thought it was going to be like physical things that we were going to be doing, like physically trying to represent this character in actual combat. Like I, I was picturing something like LARPing, even though I never heard of that before, which is live action role playing. So yeah. I thought it was going to be all like hands on and like a uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple kind of thing. Like I was so confused. <laughs> and then, you know, the guy comes over and like we go to the party and it's like everyone's sitting around the dining table and I'm like, wait a minute. What is, what who's is this? this? Who's this like middle aged man who just has a bunch of books and paper and pencils? And I was like, this is going to be terrible. Like I feel like I'm going to school or something. And then it was actually amazing. You know, you get to make your own character. You have a character sheet. So you come up with what character your uh, character's race is going to be, like details about what they look like and where they're from. And you get to be a really creative and it really encourages that creativity because everyone else who's playing is doing it too. So I think when you're creative by yourself, sometimes it can be hard to get started because you're like, you know, I could just sit here and watch TV. But if everyone else in your vicinity is also being creative in the same way, it really gets you going. It's like, okay, I got to keep up. You know, my character's got to be, uh, I've got to develop this character. I got to get cracking on this. It, it was a really fun experience for me when I was in fourth grade or whatever. It wasn't at all what I was expecting. Like, I think I wore like, you know, tennis shoes and like, I was like ready to like work out. And then, you know, we were just going to be eating Cheetos and sitting around this dinner table, like for hours on end. <laughs> it was great. I, I actually started uh, LARPing before D&D. Oh, cool. But they... But the LARP I was in was all combat oriented, so it was it was more of like a full contact sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was all like foam swords and stuff. And we always said we'll never play D and D. We'll never play D and D. Yeah. One day we all broke <laughs> down and we started playing. It was like raining outside. And you're like, oh dang it, we can't LARP today. We got to stay inside. Oh no, we would. No, we would. The rain Do is the best rain. time to play. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. At the park we played at had a creek and we'd just dive in the water. Oh, anyway, wow, Florida that's awesome. <laughs> that sounds super fun. That's cool. Um, and then it, when I was in like sixth grade, um, a couple of my friends and I were in the percussion section in band and like our band director didn't care at all about us. So we we just like kind of sat back there while everyone else was practicing and we just made up our own role playing game stories. And like it'd be based on, uh, you know, whatever video game was on the cover of Nintendo Power or whatever. Like none of us had played the game, but we're like, this looks so cool. Let's make up a story about it. And uh, there was there was no like combat or stats or numbers or anything it was just kind of interactive storytelling and it was so much fun to make those up every week and we do it like literally every single day at school so we got pretty creative and pretty wild with our stories and uh, we learned you know what each other liked in in those role-playing games so we would be able to kind of customize them a little bit more for who we were playing with and it was a very like formative uh experience for me D&D is such like a it's not really a lifestyle, but it's like a secret thing. Like you kind of have to know somebody to like get into the circle a little bit. Cause you can't really do it by yourself unless you're playing one of the video games based on D and D, but it's such a cool social activity to do like any kind of, you know, pen and paper role-playing game. Cause it's, it takes so much more imagination and so much more, uh, work. Like it's, it's a bit like acting and a bit like, you know, screenwriting and you have to kind of design levels and there's a lot that goes into it and it's very flexible, of a system no there's there's definitely a lot i have like notebooks just full of just stuff and then like hundreds of documents of like settings locations shops characters and That's like so fun. the people who play don't really know how much i put into it mm-hmm. which is fine because they're just playing <laughs> right uh, but it's just it uh, to me i like the outcome like seeing having seeing them have fun is what i really like about it
This game came out originally in 77, and it's now 2017, you know, almost. So we're going to say this is the 40th anniversary of this tabletop role-playing game. So what kind of amusement park can we make on this? We know that there's a fan base for Dungeons & Dragons. I feel like each person going to the, the park would have to inhabit the role of one of the characters. Like, I don't, I don't think there'd be a way to make someone be the, the dungeon master. You know what I mean? I feel like the park has to be the experience, like the world that you're going into. And when you go to this park... You're an adventurer within this world. Is that right? Is that what you would expect? Yeah, no, no, I agree. Like the park itself is the DM, and yeah. you're going on adventures throughout the park. Like, so I go to Universal a lot. Okay, like, every week. Living in Florida, so, right? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like an hour away from the park. Oh, it's, it's nice. That's so nice. That's awesome. For like a Dungeon Dragons themed park, it would have to be as immersive as like the Harry Potter lands. Yes. Like Wizarding World of Harry Potter is. The reason why it's so amazing is because it's completely immersive, mm-hmm. um, especially on the Diagon Alley side. You like walk through a building and you're in – it doesn't even seem like you're in the same theme park because it's so – it's closed off and it's its own world. Yeah. So like to translate that, I feel like the D&D park would have to – the entire park would have to be like that, just mm-hmm. fully immersive environments. I mean you could probably even steal like the whole magic wand thing. But like yeah. – yeah, the, the magic wand feature is is at Wizarding World of Harry Potter, right? And there's certain things you can interact with with your wand, and it makes stuff like light up and move around, right? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a water fountain that you can only use by waving a wand at it. That's so cool. <laughs> and I think I've I mean I haven't been to Wizarding World of Harry Potter, but from what I've heard, a lot of the parts that kind of make it feel immersive is that it doesn't feel like a theme park, meaning that there's not big open spaces and like queue lines everywhere. It's like you kind of have to cram into some like tight spaces and like things you're not used to doing at theme parks where it's it's all about staying far away from other people and like having big open spaces um, to accommodate big crowds. It's like we're going to build this the way it would be in real life and then people can just squeeze into it if they want to get in here. Yeah, a lot of the queue lines are hidden, so mm-hmm. you can't even see them. When the Diagon Alley opened up, the they had queue lines for each of the shops, Yeah, but they're like behind fake building facades, so it's oh, actually wow. like behind a store um mm-hmm. eventually now that it's been open for so long they transform some of those areas that were queue lines mm-hmm. into shops themselves so oh, like cool. one of them they turned into like a, a photo place um and then they turned the old photo place into a candy shop recently so that's awesome it's, they they obviously had a plan to mm-hmm. go with and then it worked out so. yeah so it can be done we can hide the queue lines it doesn't have to feel like a theme park it can feel like you're just going into some like creepy old woods or like an, an old you know, a town with a tavern and cobblestone streets and everything like that. Yeah, or like a dungeon and you're underground. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so I think another thing that would be really interesting about not having a, a dungeon master in your group, you know, normally when you go to play D&D with a group of people, one of them, you know, is going to be pulling the strings. Whereas if you go to this place, everyone in your whole party is on the same page. Like, none of them know what's about to come up. Whereas if you're in D&D and... Uh, you know, someone's someone's going to know what's going to happen that day. They know what the big surprise is already, but your whole party will have no clue about what's about to happen, which I think would be really thrilling, and all the surprises would kind of catch you off guard. And if there is a little bit of an interactive element, you know, if you get to choose to go left or right at one point, then the next time you come back, it's going to be a different experience. Like, that interactivity makes it a more flexible environment and makes it a little bit more exciting to return. It's not like, oh, yeah, I've been on all these roller coasters. I'm going to go here and do it again. It's like, well, maybe you didn't. You don't actually know. Like, maybe there's no map of the whole park. So 
you don't actually know if there's a, a fourth roller coaster coming up or if you're at the <laughs> end of the park. You don't know. Like that could be fun. Yeah, there there would have to be a, like a theme of like you deciding what to do mm-hmm. because like the whole point of like not the whole point, but like playing as a a player character in a, in a campaign, you're making all the decisions, and the dungeon master is a good dungeon master is role, like helping you through your decisions mm-hmm. and like guiding you but not forcing you to events in two places. So like if there's that like hidden like oh you could go left or right that would make the park so much better and it will fit more with the theme. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And it would be really cool if um, the park employees just kind of stay hidden. Like, you know, maybe there's a tree at the fork in the road and there's like someone inside of that tree and you you can't see like there's mesh or something where they can see out and see what you're about to do. And so then yeah. they can pull a lever and, you know, make the, and they can like manually trigger different events to happen, whether, you know, the lights go out or like you hear a scary sound or there's some thunder that strikes or, a tree like comes out and tries to grab you or whatever. It'd be really cool. It's it's almost like a haunted house kind of element. Yeah. You could definitely have those in like a dark forest type of situation. You could have people in there just waiting to like come after you. Like I don't think they want to actually like touch you like at one of those really hardcore haunted houses, but having <laughs> animatronics that move around and, you know, startle you and uh maybe try to misdirect you or split your group up would be really a pretty like thrilling thing to have. <laughs> So, okay, so what about rides? I was just going to ask that. Do we want to have, like, traditional, you know, roller coasters? Like, maybe those are the dragons or something you like? Um, I don't know, because it's, it's not going to fool anyone, I don't think. You can tell a roller coaster is a roller coaster, even if it, you know, looks like a dragon. It's like, yeah, but it's still made out of metal, and there's wheels on it, and, you know, you still have to put a harness on. I don't know, but, like, I feel like if I go to a theme park and there's no coaster, yeah, I get kind of upset. That's unless true. Unless there's really good food. I call that the, <laughs> I, I call that the Epcot syndrome. Hey, I know oh. there's no good rides there, but right. the food is so good, it makes up for it. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, have you ever heard of, I think it's called True Dungeon? No. That is what it's called. Um, it's, it's at this, I'm not sure what it's, uh, if it tours around or anything, but I used to go to this gaming convention all the time in Indianapolis, Indiana, called uh, Gen Con. And oh oh yeah, the convention I've been trying to go to for years oh, that I haven't had a chance to go it's to. It's awesome. <laughs> I I lived in Indianapolis for a couple of years, and it was just it was amazing. Um, it's a really cool convention, but um, they had this thing there called True Dungeon, and it's basically like a really big maze. Um, it's it's similar to this where you inhabit the role of a player character. You have like different items that you collect and go around and try to uh, you know complete this adventure. So there's some kind of interactive elements to it and you have to like collect items and so it's a little bit like you're playing like a legend of zelda dungeon where it's like very straightforward you go around the maze you get the item that allows you to go to this other door and allows you to get out and then there's like um it just seems kind of similar to that which means it's been proven before and that is just a very straightforward thing like it's a maze there's items in there you don't know what's around the corner but it's not going to be a roller coaster like it's pretty straightforward. You can kind of get into character and stuff. You can use your imagination, but it's not a theme park by any means. But I think if we yeah. incorporated those kinds of elements into a whole theme park where you turn the corner and you're like, holy crap, there's a roller coaster back here. That'd be pretty exciting. Um, I, this is going to be kind of a, a strange theme park, but I think that's kind of a cool thing. And we could definitely do a dark ride kind of 
you know, we're in the room and you're just on the rails uh, following along the track and it shows you like, oh, look at this thing, look at this thing as it tours you around. I think that could be really cool. And those could be um, like an on-rail shooter kind of thing, you know, where maybe one person in your party has like a bow and arrow. Oh, I never thought of that. And it's like they're trying to, because <laughs> that could be kind of cool. You know, someone has like a wand and they're like casting spells. Because typically in Dungeons and Dragons, you want to have like a, a diverse group of players, yeah. like, you know, yeah. someone who's uh, got more ranged attacks, someone who's better at close up, someone who's a healer, that kind of thing. But that could be cool if different people on your, your ride vehicle have different abilities. So, you know, someone can do like protective spells. If there's a dragon like shooting a fireball at you, they want to deploy that spell before you all get hit. And then someone else is trying to just attack everything and. That could be I mean, a good time. We could take that even further. Like when you enter the park, you have to choose a class, mm-hmm. and then that class you have oh, to yeah. use throughout all the rides. <laughs> That's an awesome idea. And maybe each class, um, like, maybe they get a specific item that they hold and that you actually take with you when you leave. Like it comes with a price of admission. So you know, maybe you get the the wand, or maybe just like a a handle or something and you can get like different wands that screw into it or something that was a very specific random example but you have some kind of token that you keep with you i've seen some really realistic foam swords so this is that is a thing that could happen totally and basically just you need some kind of chip that can store your information um and then you can use that that specific item you have to either gain entrance to certain places like maybe uh your group comes upon a thieves guild or something and only thieves can get in there. So if someone has the thieving like token, then they can get in and like get the item that your group needs. But everyone else has to like wait, um, which would be kind of like a scary thing. Like one of your party members leaves, and you're like, oh my god, we just have to wait for them to come back out. Like it'd be kind of nerve wracking. <laughs> um, but you know, then they go in, and there's just like snacks in there in the bathroom, and they're like, oh hey, what's up? Like <laughs> here's your item that you need. Okay, bye. Um, if there was a thieves guild in a theme park, I would never leave. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> just hang out in there but it'd be really cool if you've got this like kind of token that's tracking your progress so you go with the same group and you guys you like go twice a year together you can keep leveling up and keep getting to higher levels and then maybe there's certain parts of the park you can only reach once you're level 10 or whatever you have to have at least been to the park 10 times before before you can even go there or different or different parts of the rides change per oh level. yeah that's a cool idea yeah absolutely um Getting back to the uh, roller coasters for a second, I was thinking maybe instead of having it, uh, you know, look like a dragon and you're supposed to like suspend disbelief that you're climbing on a dragon's back and then you have to strap on your safety harness, like that's going to break the immersion. But what if it's just like um, this is a village of goblins and they made their own roller coaster. So it's themed to look all crappy and made out of sticks and stuff and like mud, but it's actually, you know, modern Roller it's coaster. like a modern coaster. Yeah, but like, you know, you get in there and everything's themed and it looks like it's a fantasy roller coaster instead of a dragon. You know what I mean? Like, still a roller coaster, but at least it fits into the world a little bit better. Let's see here. So when you first get to the park, you get to pick which class you want to go in. Um, do you think that it matters what stats each each character has? Because, you know, I mean, you know this, but just for the listener, each each character has specific stats. There's, I mean, I don't know all of them. What what are the stats specifically? There's strength, intelligence, oh, wisdom, charisma. Constitution, constitution, charisma, and dexterity. Yeah, I think that's probably it. 
So there are specific details that kind of flesh out your character a little bit more. You know, are they are they really like cunning? Are they very you know wise? That kind of thing. Like what it kind of helps determine what choice they would make in certain situations based on what they're really good at. So do you think that is something that we care about at this park? Like when you first get to the park, do you do like a personality assessment and they tell you like, here are your stats or is that even relevant? Does it just matter what class you are? I don't know. I don't think, well, technically like on pen and paper, it's relevant, right? Mm -hmm. That's what all your attacks off. Yeah. But I think like adding numbers and stats to it would break the, uh, just, just break that, the illusion that you're yeah. you're in that world. That's totally true. It, it would be much more immersive than playing Dungeons and Dragons, which is clearly a game. But if it's your physical body, you know, then is this a game or is this real? Like you can kind of start to blur the lines a little bit more. I like that. Let's leave the numbers out of it. Cool. I mean, like as you play, like someone who's gonna like pick a a a, a, war, a fighter, mm-hmm. and they have a sword. Maybe as they go through. As they keep on coming back, they're going to get more strength-based mm-hmm. abilities because yeah. that's just that's what the the stats based off of. Cool, that's awesome. Um, another well, I was just thinking for the different classes. If we have there's a certain requirements. Well, that's kind of weird too. What if you go? What if you just go by yourself? Then you just pick whatever, whatever class you want, and then yeah, you can you want, only yeah. access. I just feel like that might be restrictive for some people. If like, you know, there's a a certain challenge that requires a thief, then it's like, oh, well, uh, I can't do that one. <laughs> I'll have to be a thief <laughs> next time. It well, be... I always play a bard, and bards are very, like, <laughs> talking to everybody. So yeah. it's like, if you're by yourself, just be a bard. Yeah, there you go. Because then you're forced to, like, just hang out with everyone that right. you don't. And it, it might be kind of cool if there are certain challenges that require, you know, four, four people to pass or whatever. Like, there's no way you can defeat this monster unless you have a group of four. So they just kind of pair you up. Like, um... So there's this big monster. We need a group of four people. Um, I only ha- It's just me. Like, can anyone come with me? It'd be kind of cool, and it'd be more immersive. Like, if you're in this actual fantasy world where there's monsters around every corner and, like, you know, all these, like, scary things going on, you're going to have to, like, be social and ask for help once in a while. It might be kind yeah. of a cool experience that people don't usually do at a theme park. You're not usually like, uh, help, I need to go on this roller coaster. Can I have uh, a couple more people to come with me? <laughs> doesn't really happen at more normal theme parks but it'd be appropriate here yeah mm-hmm. i also feel like the different areas should represent different campaign settings because Ooh. like some of the core campaign settings are so iconic mm-hmm. that like if you had like a one that was dedicated to dark sun it's all like a desert wasteland and like eberron which is like kind of like a more modern take on dungeons and dragons with like trains and stuff mm-hmm I think that would be really nice, especially for like the huge D and D nerds. They'd be like, "Oh man, I'm gonna go to Shard, this t- this city of towers." Yeah, that's an awesome idea. And there are so many novels set in each of these different like places where it would be. There's diehard fans of each, you know, each different era of Dungeons and Dragons. So it'd be cool to represent them all as best as possible. And um, maybe there is, you know, there are maps of this whole place, and like you have to. There's only, you know, you have a specific map of just one particular area, and that's available within that area. Um, So you can see what else there is to do in that space. And then when you're ready to move on to the next portion of the park, you have to try to find a new map of the new area because you don't know where anything is there either. You have to barter with, like, the shopkeep. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's a really cool idea. And I love the idea of having uh, park employees who inhabit a role as well and, like, stay in character and... uh, 
you know, just get to, to represent a certain character within the story. That'd be really cool. Yeah, that's the that's the cool new thing, right? Like Universal did it with Harry Potter and mm-hmm. and Disney's doing it with their new Star Wars land. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. It'd be awesome. <laughs> it sounds really cool. <laughs> the thing that I I feel like they're gonna run up against is like you can't really be rude to like your customers, but then in the Star Wars universe, like as soon as you go into the cantina, like everyone wants you to either leave or like they want to fight you. <laughs> and like, I feel like you can't really do that to people who are paying to be there. Unless you know what you're getting into. If yeah. you go to the shady part of town and you find like a tavern, maybe they're going to stare at you. Like... Right. True. And maybe this is like an 18 plus park or something, or you have to be like 14 years old. Cause I feel like a lot of this would be pretty traumatic for little kids. Oh man, there should definitely be like a kid. I know that sounds traumatic for kids, but there uh-huh. should be like a kids area with like a baby unicorn, like all these like <laughs> fake animatronic animals. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, there totally could be a a kids area, like a less intense area, and then maybe maybe half the park is for the diehard like you know big fans of Dungeons and Dragons who aren't are ready to like get a little bit scared and maybe have to do some physical challenges and that kind of thing. Because at least in the Dungeons and Dragons campaigns I've played, it seems like there's always a lot of um, tests of strength, like yeah. having to climb up a rope or like uh, drag someone's, you know, someone's unconscious body out of some out of some dangerous thing. It'd be kind of interesting to try to check, like, challenge the the players, the the guests in those kinds of ways as well. Where it's like um, this thing's chasing you. You know, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to escape this? can you climb up this tree or like i would i don't even play characters like that i uh-huh. would not i would just sit there and be like no someone else should do it <laughs> yeah somebody should save me seriously i and, will support you from the ground <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be cool if they're just animatronics like um you know a thing will kind of chase you but you could just attack it like shoot it with some arrows or throw a, a spell at it launch a magic missile or whatever you can defeat it just by directly attacking it or you can just run or you can hide it'd be kind of cool there's I don't know of any theme parks that are like that, where it's you're in a small group and it's like you're the only ones that matter at that specific point. Like the world is interacting with just your small group. So maybe there's like a. You know, there's, like, the family-friendly portion of the park. And then for the hardcore one, maybe there's, like, kind of a waiting area. Like, um, maybe it's, like, a, a sparring arena or something like that. So you're just kind of, like, hanging out. And there's, like, a gladiator kind of thing. So you can either go down there and, like, fight. You can, like, basically LARP, do some of that combat that you love so much with your foam weapons and stuff. Just, like, <laughs> training. Or oh, you can watch those people fight. And then they'll come and, like, tap you on the shoulder and say, like, uh, I've got a quest for you or whatever. You know, they'll come up with some kind of system where maybe they post something on a bulletin board that says, like, um, you know, we're trying to find this guy. We've got, like, a, a wanted poster goes up, and then maybe you and your group of friends are like, hey, let's take that wanted poster down, and then that's your admission into the actual park, and it's like, okay, we're ready for another group to come through.
I think that they could do different annual events instead of like most theme parks are like, okay, we have a new roller coaster this year. They're not necessarily going to tell you that at this park because they want to be a little bit more mysterious, a little bit more whimsical. They're just like every year there's a new kind of uh, event going on, like a new campaign basically where maybe all of a sudden there are zombies across the whole park or um, there's just some new threat that's there. So you return and maybe it's the same the same pathways you've taken before, but different things are happening. You know, the, the like lighting effects and the sound effects are different and uh, different animatronics are chasing you around. You know how well that would do if they like just made a ride, didn't tell anybody about it, yeah. or like when it was opening, and you just have to go and experience. It Wouldn't that be yourself. crazy? That'd be so unusual. Like especially with like the social media thing, where the press release basically comes from people who are like, um, I was you know I was <laughs> like in this underground cavern uh, at like the very end, and then I turned left and we climbed up this ladder, and there was a new roller coaster there, and everyone's like. Oh, I've been up that ladder before. There wasn't a roller coaster. <laughs> like you have to like get very specific, but there's not like published maps about this thing. So like people would have to like cobble their own maps together and like share that experience word of mouth. I think it might do really well as far as the publicity for it. Whereas like there's yeah, there's a theme park where they don't tell you what they have to offer. You just kind of have to go find it and half the stuff's underground, so good luck. sounds great oh man i wish this existed it does sound super fun <laughs> um let's see what other parts of theme parks do we need here hmm well restaurants obviously so restaurants i'm picturing like renaissance fair type of things or like a lot of taverns with you know really old worn tables and like lanterns and that kind of thing yeah that'd be the best thing it's just like the the problem I see is the like the diversity of the food. Mm-hmm. I mean, every D and D campaign, everybody's eating like a pork shank, but that's right. gonna get old after. That a while. is gonna get old, definitely. Maybe I want like a like a fantasy pizza. Or... <laughs> <laughs> and we could we could uh, arrange the park to be you know there's like different villages, um, in, like inhabited by large populations of certain races at each one, and like okay. their maybe their type of cuisine is what's what's available in that part of the park and. They use different combinations of spices. They could get really crazy if they wanted to. I can imagine fantasy food just being either really good or really awful. Right, which is hard to do from a like theme park like customer service standpoint. They're like, okay, I got here. I got separated from my party. The food was horrible. Um, <laughs> I had to make friends with strangers, and uh, I still got killed at the end. I got killed at the end. It was the best time of my life. I'm coming back yeah. tomorrow, five out of five. I see. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's a little bit like um, when you challenge people to a certain extent, they start to like it. They're like, "Oh yeah, this is actually really thrilling." Because I don't usually live like this, you know. Um, that sounds cool. Okay, so wait, what are we talking about? There was restaurants. Oh yeah, what about yeah. stores? Are there going to be shops at this place? Like, I mean, I I'm picturing like shops, like a general store kind of thing where you can buy like you know rope and like lanterns and whatever. But should we have I was souvenirs? Thinking... My favorite thing to include in all my D&D campaigns is a thing oh. called, like, a goblin market. Yeah. Where, like, all these goblins sell, like, 
just trinkets that don't seem like they're valuable. Uh-huh. And there's like all these carts and like shacks like just set up haphazardly. Oh, that sounds awesome. So that would be really cool if like one area was just like a whole marketplace, just like food carts and like just shopping. Yeah. And it'd be really cool if it, to make it feel more like a like a kind of shanty like bazaar kind of thing where maybe they have um the specific figurine but there's only one of them at at out on the stand and so like yeah. wow there's only one of these like I want to buy this this is really cool and maybe you know they've got a bunch in the back like hidden somewhere they'll just bring another one out after you buy that one but instead of seeing a hundred of the same item there's only one in the whole bazaar you're like oh I I have to get this this is awesome. And that makes you feel special as like a person going to this place. Right. I like just the idea of like me. I'm only I am the only one that has this. Yeah. How cool is that? Even if you're totally being lied to, but you buy that experience. <laughs> like in the moment, you're like, yes, this this is real, and it's totally fine. Like once you leave, you're like, oh, you know what? They probably had more of those. Like I know one of my friends has this. But when you're in the moment, that's what's important. It's important to capture the amusement for that one day, and make it as like magical as possible. And and engrossing as possible that sounds awesome just like and also like there has to be bars yeah oh yeah lots of alcohol and picturing (laughs) (laughs) totally just like mead and just dwarven beer somewhere (laughs) absolutely there have to be like some like grizzled looking warrior off in the corner of the tavern Uh willing to like tell his stories yeah and it'd be really cool if those are you know half the people in that tavern are employees who are just yeah. like in full makeup um, and their job for the day, like their eight hour shift is they hang out in this tavern until someone talks to them. And then, you know, maybe they go on an adventure with that person and they're kind of like their guy. You know what would be cool day. though? Yeah. What's that? If like you go alone and you have to like hire people to oh, like cool. come adventure with you. Yeah. That's a great idea. That'd be a great job too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Um, another thing I was thinking about uh, is, you know how a lot of places have like in park, currency like you'll you'll load money onto your uh whatever those like disney band things are called the magic bands so you don't have to worry about carrying a credit card around with you you just have a preset amount of money or you can give your kid that amount of money or whatever it'd be cool if you had like gold coins like you exchange like your u.s dollars for like these big old gold coins that you can use only within the park and maybe for completing certain quests you get rewarded with those gold coins you can go buy your fantasy pizza with I'm always looking for things to kind of spark my imagination and being immersed in a, a lore and a world definitely does that a lot more than being on a roller coaster. I think that's why um, escape rooms are really popular nowadays. Yes, I love those. Because it's just being like immersed in a world. Yeah, and those are, are very like intellectually stimulating because you have to figure out all these puzzles and you have to work with people around you and you have to think of, you know, what what other clues have you found before? And you have to remember the story you read at the beginning. And escape rooms are my favorite. I really I'm interested in uh, in making one of those someday. It seems like a super cool thing. If you haven't been to an escape room, you gotta try it. That's my advice to everyone. It's <laughs> they're so sweet. Um, what should we call this land? I know there are specific names for specific you know parts of the Dungeons and Dragons world, but what should we call the theme park? Oh man, that that's really hard. Uh-huh. I mean, 
if I if I was to do it, I would probably call it Greyhawk, which yeah. is the the setting of the the very first setting right. of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really convey the name, but like it would be like like an homage to uh, Gary Gygax, who like who made D and D, yeah, like invented this thing. The name like Forgotten Realms is a really legit name, and it sounds like a, a theme park. Oh, you know what? It does. I mean, oh man, yeah. But then, but then again, wait. I saw another one here. Um, I'm looking through a list of like all the different settings from D and D because I've I haven't played campaigns in every single setting, but um, I played campaigns in a lot of them. Really? Like Ravenloft is a the horror theme. Mm-hmm. Um, they all they all have their own special themes. Right. I mean, they're... Forgotten Realms is the main one. That's mm-hmm. what they're putting all their money into. Right. So and that yeah, that sounds like a good name. It does, and it could include the other other you know worlds the other parts of the D lore could be located within that all right peter what else should we add man i don't know um i'm feeling pretty good about this so far i don't i think that um being able to abandon a lot of the like traditional theme park things of of having like carnival games and like uh costumed mascot characters walking around and stuff would be kind of make it more immersive it maybe doesn't feel like as much of a theme park but it feels more like its own thing it feels more like a dungeons and dragons experience as yeah i feel like yeah i feel like if it's more of the same it mm-hmm. won't be as popular what it is and it won't live up to the potential of D. this is something i would love to have in my backyard so i can <laughs> go to all the time <laughs> yeah and i do think that it would attract a local audience a lot who really want to like you know level up their character and explore the whole the whole realm you know figure out every part of of the whole park i think that's it would really have cool to be idea. somewhere cold it would have Ooh. to be yeah or at least not hot every day yeah and there's no seasons like florida right if it if it wasn't a colder area that would uh lend itself to dressing up more in a you know kind of fantasy type clothes whether they have like a little you know costume shop or like you can rent an outfit based on your class or whatever it'd be kind of cool to be able to get into the larping type experience more where you are wearing the clothes that your character would wear instead yeah. of just wearing a coat because it's cold out or a tank top because it's hot out. It would sell so many capes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's like true. everybody wears a cape. Uh huh. I feel like they need to have all the like uh, shops that a Renaissance fair would have, like where they've got someone who just makes stuff out of leather, and then they've got yeah. you know maybe not a blacksmith because then people will want to use their like actual weapons on your animatronics, but you know a foam uh, <laughs> blacksmith, a foam smith. Making... <laughs> no, that's what that is what they're called. Oh, really? <laughs> they're called Smith. Yeah, that's awesome. I I know a bunch of them <laughs> from my LARPing days. <laughs> that's great. I love that. Cool, man. Well, thank you very much for uh, helping to build this park with me. It sounds like a a good time for sure. Well, uh, is there anything that you would like to uh, have our audience do? I mean, they definitely should check out your podcast. Is it called Peter versus Peter or just Peter versus? Oh, it's Peter versus Peter, uh-huh. but like typing that out for yeah. like everything is so hard. So like, <laughs> um, like you could go on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. It's mm-hmm. Peter versus Peter, and then on social media, it's Peter versus. So we're on Twitter and Facebook. But I would definitely recommend your podcast. It's it's at certain points in your life you don't have that many friends around who talk about video games and board games with. So it's nice to have a podcast that can kind of do that with you. You know what I mean. As you know what, I, I get a lot of emails about the same thing. Like cool. People would email me and they're like, this, I like listening to it because it's like, 
me talking to my friends, but I can't actually say anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it is. It, it's like a modern, like lonely version of, of you know, having friends to talk to about stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's you know a side effect of growing up, though. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> cool, man. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, no, this was great. All right. Thank you, folks, for listening. Uh, shout out to my friend Harold, who uh, we recorded an, an Indiana Jones episode, but just due to low audio quality, I had to to destroy it. It was pretty sad. Um, but yeah, we'll have him on for a future episode. Thanks to my guest Peter for this episode, and uh, the next one will be coming out January 9th, and it is on the topic of Scooby Doo. It's also uh, the co-host on that episode is the host of another one of my favorite podcasts. So I'm really pumped about that episode coming out. Remember to join the conversation on Facebook and on Reddit. Uh, Look forward to seeing you guys out there. And have a happy holidays. Bye.